You know, I talk a lot about authentic conversations. They're the lifeblood of relationships, which means they're the foundation of really great marketing. And now more than ever before, at least in most of our careers, authenticity and relationships and connections, they really matter. Which is why I am so excited about today's episode with a great friend and former colleague of mine as he talks about his life as a CMO in the midst of a pandemic. I'm Lindsay Chepkema, CEO and co-founder of Casted, the first and only marketing platform built around branded podcasts. And this is our podcast. Here in today's episode of the Casted Podcast, we're talking with my good friend, Andy Culligan. He's the CMO at Lead Feeder, but before that, once upon a time, he and I actually worked together. He led Global Demand Gen, and I headed up the global brand and content for a SaaS company. And so although he's in Austria, don't be fooled by his lovely Irish accent, um, and I'm here in Indianapolis, we worked really, really closely together, as brand and demand often do. So... Now that we've both gone on to do, you know, I might be biased, but some pretty cool and different things, I was so very excited to catch up with him and see how his life as a CMO is treating him, particularly in the midst of, you know, a global pandemic. So listen in on this, our last episode in season three of the Casted Podcast, where we've spoken with CMOs around the world, I mean, Andy's in Austria, about how their strategies have changed in the midst of COVID-19. So stay tuned also to the end of this episode where I have got some really big and exciting news about a brand new show coming from Casted. So my name is Andy Culligan. I'm the CMO of Lead Feeder. All right. So Andy, we go way back. I am excited to hear what you are doing now with Lead Feeder and with everything that's happening in the world today, how you have adjusted strategy. And, and you were relatively new there to begin with um, before everything started. So give me, give me kind of a picture of how you got things started for 2020 and then how you had to change things when COVID-19 hit. Uh, yeah, so you mentioned I, I started there recently. So I started there at the start of December. So yeah, so it's it very, very recently. So within my first six months, I've seen some some interesting changes happen in the world, in the world around us that we haven't been, really been able to do much against. Yeah, so coming into, in, into 2020, I had a very specific plan for the brand. Like I was hired to, to bring the, the brand down a specific route. We wanted to sort of put a real focus on, on building a category, but also at the same time, you know, bring the brand to the next level, update things slightly. And also from the growth marketing perspective, make sure that we're, we're hitting growth targets month on month. Okay. So um, myself and the CRO were basically joined at the hip and it was like that all the way from the start, like it, throughout the, the entire interview process, everything. It was spending a lot of time with the chief revenue officer, Yako, and just making sure that myself and himself are very well aligned in terms of what's expected from each side. So, from our perspective as a company, we're very focused on inbound, inbound being a, a massive revenue channel for us. So most of our business is actually done through inbound, which is obviously massively supported by the marketing team. So how do you scale that even further was at the same time, like reducing costs and whatnot. So what we were trying to do is like, I used to hate this when it came up in like talks, like with coaches and different things about creating like a lean team and all this. I was like, oh, you know, this, 
I'm sick and tired of hearing about like lean, lean marketing teams and lean sales teams. But like we've actually managed to create like an incredibly lean team. So the marketing organization is, is now this, one of the smallest teams within the, within the entire organization. But like a lot of the, as I said, the inbound side of things is coming directly from marketing activity. So part of the plan was, was to lower paid budgets anyway and start putting more resource into things like content build. Okay, so when you ask me how did our strategy change, I don't think our strategy changed massively because I was already lowering budgets anyway in terms of what we were putting into paid. And then at the same time, I was also bringing more money across to put into content. Now, instead, what we've done is we probably haven't put as much money into content as we probably wanted to, but we focused on like really hyper growing the content in terms of like what we're focused on in terms of what we're writing about in that very short space of time and the different content activities that we're doing. So to give you a couple of examples, webinars, right? Webinars over the past six weeks, we've run like six webinars out of which we've registered like seven and a half thousand people in six weeks, right? So 7,500 people in six weeks. In six weeks, exactly. So we've, we've grown our database like significantly and the content is getting broad reach in it. So like not only... Am I be like, am I able to push the brand a bit further in terms of podcasts and different things? Like, for example, Lindsay, you and I know each other anyway, but other other people are reaching out to me and saying, Hey, I've seen these webinars. Can you come and do an interview with us? So we're getting further brand reach just via the webinars, for example. In in order to get those, like people I spoke with somebody yesterday and they said, Well, I mean, you obviously spend a lot of cash bringing those number of registrants in. I said, We've spent like three hundred dollars for seventy five hundred registrants. And the $300 was just us testing some stuff out on Facebook just to see if it worked. And then we said, you know what? We're not getting the volume from there. Let's just focus on email. So essentially nothing. Nothing. No. So we spent time, time and resource. Okay. At the same time, myself and my head of content are sitting down like almost daily being like, okay, what are we writing about today? Okay. So what's the world looking like around us? So when we started with the webinar stuff, it was like, okay, COVID has just struck. How can we, you know, do something that would be interesting to people right now. Because what I'm seeing and I'm still seeing is people being like, oh, people don't want to hear about the COVID stuff because it's like, it's boring. And, you know, leave that to one side. And, you know, let's focus on normal day-to-day stuff. And people that are doing that right now, they're pissing me off because like you're ignoring the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room was like smacking people across the face and saying, talk about it, at least a little bit. Don't make it your main subject matter, but at least address it. And people are just not addressing it. And that, I seen that like six weeks ago. So I was like, let's pivot our content strategy. I said, I said to my head of content, all the content that you've got your copywriters working on now, put it on hold. This is what you're writing. And we came up with like a strategy and we came up with different blog posts as well as like content strategy for webinars and whatnot. And it's just working. Like we did one blog post, which was around um, SDR templates, like email templates for COVID, for COVID-19. And it drove like 11,000 users in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, because that was a huge topic. I mean, even for us too, is how do, how do you reach out right now? How do you talk to someone right now? I mean, you don't want to be taken as tone deaf, but you know, you, you also want to talk to people about something that could really help at this moment. So yeah, that's I'm sure that was really useful. Absolutely. And it's just been, so in terms of like to go back to your original question, like what have we been doing differently? I wouldn't say we've, we've done anything differently. It's just really given me a kick up the ass to really make sure that we're focused on doing the original plan, but faster and sort of like adjusting ourselves to the situation and keeping like very, again, another word I hate to use is agile, but we have been incredibly agile because, you know, agile typically means like do everything and make focus on nothing. <laughs> Faster. 
is exactly fast quick you know and this is something like i when i first stepped into the tech game i, I worked for somebody that used that word quite a bit and i was a nightmare but i think really it's been about reaction and making sure that we're being able to react to what's happening around us and it's changing daily so we like yesterday again i sat down with Anna, my head of content and was like okay look the topic of of really pushing forward with COVID 19 stuff is getting people are getting a bit exhausted of it now so like let's make sure that we're we're putting more of a focus on the the part that it's about like let's say it's about sales or marketing let's make sure it's focused really t- like hyper focused on marketing or sales nimble i like the word nimble instead of nimble is good it's better than agile <laughs> for sure yeah i think the companies right now that are even and you can be a very small company and you can be a very 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 large company and it doesn't matter i mean the more you are willing to say okay, what are we doing today? What are we doing this week? As opposed to, okay, we have this huge, massive strategy. How are we going to change things? Those are the companies that are winning because it's about knowing your audience, reading the room and you know, saying, how can we help right now? How can we really be helpful to our audience? I want to dig into something too, because so in our past lives, you ran demand gen and I ran branded content. So how has that come into play for you as a CMO now, seeing both sides and you're talking a lot about working with your head of content. How has that come into play anyway, but especially now with this crisis going on? Like how, how has that come into play for you as a CMO? So yeah, like uh, since, since we've been working together, Lindsay, it's been a couple of years now. And I, yeah, so, so having, I, I think having the demand gen experience has always helped me attach a revenue figure onto anything that I'm doing. So I come from a past of being in sales myself. So I've, I've been in sales roles and I've been in SDR as well. So I understand the pain from that side. And um, at the same time, I have a feel for brand. And I, I've, I have two opinions on this. I'm a bit mixed when it comes to brand because I'm like, at one hand, I'm like, my opinion doesn't really count. It's the opinion of everybody. But I back myself enough to know when something doesn't look good. And it bothers me. You know, you know, when you see, when you have your own brand, like you own the brand yourself, like, I see this as like my portfolio, you know, as a CMO, I'm like, this is, this is my baby. I need to make sure it's, it's dressed up well. And I'm going to make sure that it's well bathed and, you know, make sure that it's nice and clean. Right. So like previously when we were working together, I was like, let's just make sure we're bringing the leads in the door. You know, I don't, (laughs) I I don't own the whole brand. (laughs) You remember we've had some good discussions around that, Lindsay, but I, I see the bigger picture now, you know, as a CMO to be able to be like, okay, you need to maybe, take away a little bit of the demand gen piece to focus on brand and vice versa. But I find myself working on a lot of different things. Like, so I just released a white paper, an ebook in the past couple of days. So I'm seeing a gap in the market right now based on events. So I know from my own demand gen experience that events are something that drive a lot of pipeline for sales teams. And I'm seeing like physical events are not going to happen at least for probably six months to a year. Like even in 2021, if people are running physical events, are people really going to want to go to physical events? It's going to be different. Yeah. It's going to be like, people are going to be super sketchy about it. I, I don't know. Like it's not going to be how it was a year ago. For sure not. It's going to take some while. To, it's going to take a while to build up. So you have companies like SaaS stock and Saster and those type of companies coming in and saying, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to run virtual events. So what I've seen is, okay, how can I use my experience from a physical event perspective and creating pipeline there? to be able to bring that experience over and put it into something that will help people from a virtual event perspective. Because it's 
more or less the same thing, but one is digital, one isn't. So you can still, you can make an opportunity out of it if, if, if you really try hard enough and if you have the right structure. So I know that's in my brain. It's not like necessarily in my head of contents brain, like I said, Anna, again, because she doesn't have the direct experience of running events herself because she doesn't come from the demand gen background. Same as maybe when we were working together, it was a little bit different as well, you know? So what, what I've been able to do is like work together with Anna to come up with an ebook, which is um, like very much focused on helping people out from that perspective, whilst at the same time putting our brands like the next step forward as well. It's hard for me to put it like in a way that's, that makes sense, but I think by helping people out and giving them actionable information for free right now, and making the brand look good at the same time, it's pushing the demand generation back in as well to the top of the funnel. So it's like both of those things together are really working well right now. It's uh, one thing that we've been talking a lot about lately is seeking first to connect, which feels really fuzzy and it feels very gray and it feels fluffy and soft, especially if it feels that way to me from the brand and content side, it must feel very, very soft for you. But it's so important because that's that's trust and that's relationship building and that's what fuels the entire funnel and pipeline and all the things. Like that's that's the beginning of it all. And if you can establish those relationships, even, you know, whether it is in person at events, you know, back in, in before COVID or now, I mean, it's, that's what it's all about. That's the beginning to it all. And uh, again, the companies that are nimble and are looking for new ways to do it. I mean, you're doing these webinars and it's working and that, those are the ones that are going to win. Again, it's like with even these webinars, I had a conversation yesterday with somebody and said, well, I guess like you're probably pushing lead feeder quite heavily with them. I said, no, we're actually not. The only thing that we're doing really is that the deck isn't a lead feeder deck template. It's not like in, in my opinion, they're like, the best pitch in that perspective is no pitch at all. So what, what we're not doing is like, oh, lead feeder can do this, this, and this and solve all your needs right now because people don't want to hear that. They don't want to be pitched to, you know? Um, in the long term, if you keep on banging the drum, you're the lead feeder drum, people will hear it for sure. Like people will, will remember our brand. They say, oh, I've got this problem to be solved. I know that they, they solved this particular problem and I've been on a number of their webinars and I've downloaded a bit of their content and I've heard them talking about this, that, or the other you're more likely to win then, you know, but you need to be a little bit patient on it. Yeah. So with being patient, what is your, as you look out of the rest of the year and into next year, what is, what does that look like? I mean, are you just, are you taking it day by day, week by week, quarter by quarter? Do you have things that you absolutely changed your mindset about ongoing? What does kind of the horizon look like for you? So I still, there's like, there's, there's, I I break it down into two types of projects. So you've got like your long-term projects and your short-term projects. So Long-term projects are still ongoing. And my team over the past couple of weeks has been pushing me hard as well, saying, okay, like we're jumping around a lot here, Andy. Like wh- wh- what, can we, what can we still be focused on? And my answer was like, you know what the long-term projects are. Don't stop working on them. Keep working on them. But I'm just going to keep on jumping from thing to thing at the moment because that's what's working. So that's, that's how it's working on day-to-day. I feel it calming a little bit because people are getting used to this sort of new normal. And the guys are seeing results as well, which is which everyone's happy with. Like the guys are seeing results and they're getting lots of praise from investors and everyone. And then people are like, okay, what we're doing is working. So obviously we're going to listen to this guy. <laughs> but in terms of long-term, as I said, we've got a couple of different plans, like making sure that the brand is up to date, more structured, more um, consistent across everything that we, that we offered on, like looking at the website, how do we maybe make the website a bit better? Like that's a project that's ongoing that hopefully will be done by the end of Q2. And um, make it like we're rebuilding our, our paid strategy, which Dara, my, my, my head of paid, uh, is, is managing at the moment. Like he's doing a great job. Not that's going to take another little while to build. There's all these sort of things that are being built in the background 
while it's in the forefront of things, like we're still going to keep on doing things that are working. So for example, webinars, I'm just going to keep doing them until they stop working. Yeah. I think, I think that's what a lot of, that's what I'm hearing a lot of, I mean, we're doing the same thing. Like we're, we're working on our website as well. And um, there, yeah, it's kind of like the what's happening in front and then what's also happening in back because we have the time, not, not the abundance of time to do the work, but it's to work differently, right. To focus on different things. So you talked about your team. Um, you were remote already, but this obviously changes things because remote before meant something very different than it does now because we're all home with our with our others, our people, our pets, our <laughs> significant others. What has that looked like? Kind of twofold. What does that look like for you? I know you have a little one, and how have you stayed focused? But then how how also have you led your team through, you know, this this craziness? From my side, you know, it's. Um it's tricky, <laughs> but we're like, we're managing, we're, we really are managing. So my wife is also setting up her own online business at the moment. And she has been for the past uh, six months. And that that's tricky in itself, you know, because there's limited time when you, because my daughter is, is now going on four. She's four in August. Um, like we did the math on it recently. She's in kindergarten. Okay. So she goes to kindergarten and she, um, she typically like is under somebody else's care, whether it's kindergarten or a babysitter or a grandmother or whatever, for about 25 hours a week. That's like a day and an hour that we don't have right now. So we're, we're trying to just we're trying to just juggle it, like whilst at the same time helping her learn more. And we are seeing like from her perspective, it's actually great as a father to be able to see that she is managing to learn a lot more. And she's, I can see it and she's gone through like a massive development phase since she's been home which is on one hand is challenging because you need to keep her for, you need to keep that going. You need to keep her fulfilled and keep on giving her things to do and different things. But at the same time, it's like, um, it's like really impressive just to see, okay, maybe, maybe she needed that bit of a break from kindergarten and different things. Maybe she needed to be around us a little bit more. It's challenging. We're, we're trying to like, I put some calendar, put some time in my calendar every day to help my wife out a little bit. And like, it's, we're just, you know, up and down. It feels like it's a constant, constant sprint. Like, every, like just run, 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 run. You, how it is but like at the same time i'm finding from my side that i'm managing to get a lot more done being under the type of pressure that i'm under to to say okay i have to get these things done if i don't then then i'm in trouble so i I managed to get everything i need to get done done and it's just about being super focused and super planned like i like what i've started to do and i've always done this but like i've been more focused on doing it is like creating a list of things i need to get done every day and I genuinely get pissed off at myself if I don't manage to cross all those things off. Because no, right. no, there's like, a hard I, stop. There is no like staying late at the office. It's like, no, it's time. Exactly. Exactly. Like, as you mentioned though, like we, we're, we're a remote company anyway. So 80% of our workforce is remote, but yeah, there's a challenge like with families and kids. I also have a seven month old dog, which is arguably our larger challenge than the three year old. So there's that as well. But for the team, I think, you just need to be super understanding of people's personal situation. I, you can't give out to somebody or you can't be disappointed in somebody if, they, if, they're, if they're really breaking their back and trying to do all they can in order to get the job done while struggling everything, you know? One thing that I can't stand is people that don't want, or use things as an excuse, like, oh, the current situation makes things a little bit more difficult and therefore I can, you know, relax a little bit more and, you know, chill out a little I, uh, from my side, like as uh, I, I work at a hundred miles an hour when I can, and I expect the same of the guys and the guys do that, you know? And if somebody needs to, if somebody says to me, Hey, look, I just, uh, you know, there's, there's this, that, or the other needs, that needs to be looked after. I say, absolutely. Like you need to have the empathy there to, to understand the situation is difficult. You know, like 
you can't do it all at once but when you're there give it your all and then you know it's fine that's 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 my general view on things anyway even before this situation if people needed to get stuff done family-wise anyway absolutely like it's it's never a problem for me because i know how it is having a family myself exactly yeah and it's what we've said a lot here is I don't really care. I, I genuinely don't care when you work, bring your best whenever, whatever that looks like minute by minute, hour by hour, that's going to change. You know, our focus is all different. We're not all in the same situation, but just bring your best, do what you say you're going to do, communicate and figure it out. Exactly. Like there's no over communicating at the moment. I think like I'd rather no you just thing. be exactly, exactly. You really just, you know, make sure that you're being open and honest about how things are for you. Like I'm, Look, I don't need to tell you this because you know me well anyway. But I, I don't, I like I think of things anyway from a work versus versus family perspective. Like the family is the most important thing anyway. So if you prioritize work over family, you and I are gonna have a problem anyway. So I, I think it, like it should always be family first, and then obviously work is very important, but family should always take the priority. And you know you need to be the the owner of making sure that the balance works. Yeah, and that balance is in a different place for everyone. What kind of advice do you have for other marketers, um, marketers, marketing managers, marketing leaders right now? Uh, we're all, you know, a couple months into this thing. What now? What next? We've all kind of figured out what, what we're doing right now, but looking out at the rest of the year, what would you say to people listening? I'd say what I'm seeing from people that aren't doing well, that aren't being successful at the moment is that they're not executing anything. So that would be my first thing. Like just try something seriously just try something and if you are trying something and um, make sure it's you know content focused i think content is where you start at the moment and um, make sure that it's helpful content don't be pushing your product like people don't want to hear about it like really um if you are pushing something give people like some achievable takeaways from a piece of content that you're going to push out like if somebody can grab two or three points out of this and you can summarize it somehow that, that it's easy for them to see and how they do things, then that piece of content is going to work. I tell you now, like if you give people something, hey, go back and do this with your team right now and these three easy steps, then it's going to work because people are going to go back and do it. Um, I can't say it enough, just execute some stuff because like really, if you sit in your hands right now, you're not going to go anywhere. There is no waiting this thing out. <laughs> no, no. Like I don't know what the right answer is, but what I can say from my side is that we're just constantly execute, 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 execute. So, of course, some things may not work. We look, I was just telling you before, this is luckily, like a lot of the stuff that we've done at the moment, it's just hit home. Like for the first time in my career, it's the first time that it's actually been that case. So I think that shows a thing as well, that people are super open to content at the moment, as long as it's helpful. That's been like the main thing that we've been focusing on. Make it helpful and give actionable uh, things to take away. Those two things. I love it. Yeah. Seek first to connect and to help and go from there. All right, Andy. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights and your experiences. Um, as we've been all navigating this thing, it's, it's great to catch up and, uh, thanks. Absolutely. No problem. Lindsay. Well, that's a wrap on season three of the Casted Podcast. It's my sincere hope that these conversations with CMOs have helped you in some way as you have navigated this global, crazy situation that we're all in right now. 
don't worry, we'll be back with season four pretty soon. Um, but in the meantime, for more information about Andy Culligan, including the super fun jobs he had along his path to CMO, visit casted.us to subscribe and receive our show as it's published, along with exclusive content each week. That'll help ensure that you don't miss season four when it comes out. And okay, now for that really exciting announcement. One of my co-founders, Zachary Ballinger, is launching a podcast right here at Casted. That's right. So you want more Casted? You got it. And even better news, it's available right now. So look for the tick. That's tick, T-I-C, like at the end of authentic for authentic conversations. Get it? You got it. You're going to love it. So check it out at casted.us today.